0: Welcome to the Joy Venture Podcast, a show where dreamers and doers share stories of discovering, developing, and spreading their joy with the world. I'm your host, Thad Devassi. In this episode, Jeremy and I have the pleasure of talking with Jessica Hollins, founder and CEO of My Very Own Blanket. Jessica's organization provides handmade blankets to children in the foster care system to give them something of their own, something to hold on to as they experience the uncertainty of life in foster care. In our conversation, she talks about how this idea came about and why it's important to shine a light on this harsh reality for so many kids. Jessica also shares a personal story of pain and struggle and how her faith pulled her through that dark valley and ultimately brought clarity and renewed purpose in her work. So let's hear what she has to say. This is the Joy Venture Podcast with Jessica Hollins. So we met, gosh, a couple of years ago. Yes. And I had an opportunity to hear your story, and it's one of these joy stories that um, you know I think needs to be shared. It's a, you're a small not-for-profit here in, in Columbus, Ohio, but your reach in the lives that you are um, connecting with is so much bigger and perhaps more profound than what it may suggest at face value. So I want to explore that today and just have you talk about this organization that you've founded and tell us how it, how it came to be, how a thing such as a blanket has become such a, uh, A defining thing in your life. So if you would just give us some some background on what this organization is and how it came to be.
1: Well, my very own blanket is dedicated to comforting children in foster care. Um, And we do that uh, through a handmade blanket that we can give to kids to hang on to as they have to travel through the foster care system.
2: So I have two kids. And both of them loved their blankets. I mean, it was something that was, they were inseparable. In fact, my wife made them and they had little tags on the edges of them and my kids wore them raw, right? I remember growing up and having a blanket of my own and I was, it was, I couldn't separate from it. What is it about blankets that makes kids so, like, what is it? What is it? What? What's your thoughts behind Like, Have you done research behind this? Is there something that... Just from a fundamental object standpoint, what is it that attracts children and gives them comfort from a, a blanket?
1: What I've seen over the years with these blankets that has really been able to help the kids is that it's something tangible they can hang on to. Um, it's, it's what they can they know is theirs. They know that uh, they're going to get to hang on to it every night when they go, when they go to bed. Um, they can take it with them. But it's, it's that tangible thing, that, that piece that, that they can see and feel and touch. When there's so much in this world that we don't know, this is something that they know.
2: And that's universal. I mean, that's something that every parent or person can relate to. It was a stuffed animal. It was a, a blanket. It was something that they just drug around with them as a child that gave them that, almost like an, an object of emotional support in some ways, or consistency.
1: Right, right. So with my very own blanket, um, one of the reasons why I got started in this is because I had three babies, and I had two beautiful boys and a darling little girl. And at the time, they happened to be one, two, and three years old. And I could not hold them all as they were falling asleep. And I said, we're just going to do one bedtime and so we, I had two cribs in the nursery and a toddler bed, and I laid all the kids down, and I sat in the rocking chair so that they could see my presence as they fell asleep. And as I was sitting there, the night lights were on, and, and the music was playing, and it was quiet, and, and I was finishing knitting a blanket. And I thought, who could I give this blanket to? What am I going to do with it when I finish it? Because every night I'd work on it a little bit. And I thought, what am I going to do with this when I finish it? And that's exactly what I saw as I looked at my babies, and they had a blanket of their very own that they were already hanging on to. And I thought to myself, well, they don't need another one because they already have one. And it was kind of at that moment that I can remember thinking, I could knit this for a child in foster care.
2: Where did that jump come from? I mean, you're sitting in your, your kid's nursery room, and all of a sudden, a foster child comes to your
1: mind. How does that? How did that happen? You've- well, at the time, I didn't know. I just thought, I could knit this for a child in foster care. And I thought, that would be a great idea, because I'll just knit this over the course of the next year, because it was December of 1999, and it was Christmas time. And I thought, I'll just knit this over the course of the next year, a little bit. And next Christmas, I'll give it away to the Area County Children's Services. And I, as I continued to sit there and knit, I thought, what if I ask other people to help me do this? And Jeremy, it wasn't until that next year at Christmas that I gave blankets away to the Delaware County that the caseworkers had said, You have no idea how needed this is. These kids really do not have very much. And I thought, Wow, really? And they said, Oh, they said, You know, we, we, if, even if we have time to, you know, get something for them we're just finding trying to find matching shoes or clothes or you know um, things that they can take with them that they can they can use. They don't ever have a blanket and it was at that moment a year later that this overwhelming i want to call it grace, but this overwhelming feeling came over me, and my mind immediately went. A year earlier, to that rocking chair, and I—I I knew at that moment that was God speaking to me. But it wasn't until a year later that I actually gave those first set of blankets away. Did I realize, wow, that was God giving me that idea? And so then I just thought, why well, have to continue this again next year? And uh, the next year we we gave even double the amount of blankets away and to three different county, three more counties and the need was just continuing to be there. And I thought, well, I'll have to do this again next year. And people said to me, you are so crazy. You have a two-, three-, and four-year-old. Are you not busy enough? And I said, I am. But if you knew the need, I think you would continue it too. And so we just, you know, I just kept continuing this year after year. And, you know, one of the beauti- the other beautiful things that came out of the organization that I would have never seen, that I know God only would have seen was the volunteers, um, the whole other side of who was going to help us create and make all these handmade blankets? Um, my oldest volunteer is 104 now, and I um, so that that generation has just been beautiful to work with. The senior young generation, I like to call them, but it, they've just been wonderful to work with because they they want so badly to give back and to. To feel needed, and and you know it's 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 all about. We all just want to have a purpose, and we all just want to be valued, and that's what that's what this organization gives to that generation. Um, we also have programs in four prisons, so two women's prisons and two men's prisons. I would have never known that. The need is there as well. 80% of inmates have been affected by the foster care system, touched by it at some point in their life, whether they grew up out of it, their siblings were in it, their kids are now in the foster care system. They get and connect with it as well. But again, they just want to be valued. They want to have a purpose inside Institution, they want to be able to give back. I've had so many women say to me, Thank you so much for letting me be a part of something that I feel like I can do some good for the bad that I've done. So,
0: I'm going to take a half step back here. You've gone from your rocking chair and doing this, looking over your children, to hearing about the need, to continuing it yourself, to bringing in others to sort of share your joy, if you will. At what point does this pivot from Jessica doing blankets with some friends to becoming an organization that's a 501 3C? um, Right, right. That's daunting for people that didn't set out to create an organization, didn't set out perhaps to be entrepreneurial. How, when and how did you make that pivot to say, this is, Bigger than me. And by expanding, by growing, we can serve a greater good. As you've just mentioned in the prison system, other volunteers talk, talk about that part of the journey.
1: If I can go back and take a step back, and during that part of the journey, I like to tell, I like to say to people that when I'm introduced as the CEO and the founder of my very own blanket, I like to say, you know what? That's just really the founder is is saying that God gave me the idea. Um, The CEO is saying that he God knew I would be foolish enough to continue it for him. (laughs) So, uh, so it as we grew. Um, I came across a quote that said um, that I printed out and I hang up in my office and as a reminder that said, God doesn't call the equipped; He equips the called. Because I'm not a business person and a numbers person, and I've had to learn a lot over the years. But it's it's knowing and learning that I have a talent, and that other people have talents. I need all these talents, other people's talents, to help me in what I'm doing. Um, so when something would come up, it it seemed like I would have um, an issue with um, social media or with um, you know finding a place to expand into. Those people would just kind of come along and. Be there for me, and and um, there there were a lot of uh, there were a lot of times that it was hard, and it and I struggled, and I had to step back and remember that I don't believe that God had given me the idea so that I would struggle with it or that I wouldn't have fun with it. So I knew that if I wasn't having fun with it and if it was getting really hard and challenging, then that was me putting myself forward to try and run it my way versus stepping back and saying, okay, let's just, you know, kind of look and see what we have because this is supposed to be fun. I truly believed that it was supposed to be fun. So when things got really tough, I had to step back and, and look at almost take myself out of it and let, let it just be itself and run. See,
0: um, when things got tough, (laughs) things got difficult. You just said that. So what's, what's difficult about coming together and making blankets for a really good cause? I mean that, gosh, what could be, what could be challenging about that? Right. I mean, I think that's the, we look at the core of what you're doing and who you're doing it for, Mm -hmm. but you're saying there's some challenge there. Talk about that shift of who you were doing it for um, cause you kind of mentioned that to me, um, separately, uh, that, you know, the focus when you started was looking at three babies as you were knitting a blanket, as the organization grows, that kind of changes. Talk about what changed.
1: Well, we, as we grew, we, I came across more volunteers and more people who wanted to help us and make blankets. And so I created this little blanket workshop for women to come and make the blankets and and fellowship in and be a part of. And as we did that, um, there were more factors that came into the mix. Um, We got a building that was donated to us and along with that came utility bills and so now I had to be a finance person and we had to fundraise and we took donations and, and there was there's so many factors that come into when you're kind of a one person running something that you you've got your love of what you want to do but yet automatically different things come together and ultimately you have to do it. Um, unless you get other people to step up and and help you. but as we continued to grow, it got you know, a little bit more complicated and and you know, just automatically, I started to feel that I'm not sure this is, you know, this is what it was supposed to be or or, but I persevered through it, you know, and because I knew it was God's gift to me. And It's what I was supposed to be doing, and so I just continued to do it. Um, but at about year 10, honestly, it, it I didn't go into the workshop very much. I kind of worked from home, and, and because I was sort of in the CEO position of running it, I could – just work from home from my computer and you know a lot of a lot of it was networking and meeting people and and raising awareness and doing the speaking events and and all of that that came with being the face or the spokesperson for your passion um, but I got away from doing the actual if you will, cause. And I got, I believe that I got wrapped up in, in the whole volunteer side, which is beautiful in itself and taking care of that. Um, And, you know, I, I didn't want to give up on it. And so I remember a story that about, my uncle is a Franciscan brother. And being in the vocation, um, I remember there was a time when he thought about wanting to leave the vocation. And as a little girl, I remember watching my mom walk beside him and help him and talk to him and and, um, just walk beside him to be with him so that if he wanted to leave the vocation or if he wanted to stay in and just kind of persevere through that and he stayed in the vocation and and um and so i i remember that and i thought you know Jessica this is a vocation for you stick with it just persevere through this challenging time and and see what see what comes of it just stick with it that i think
0: that's where i first met you mm-hmm. is at this um stage of of growth where it's it's not just central ohio it's has you've got arms and legs and tentacles you know spreading across the state and there's opportunities to take it beyond that um you're really in in growth mode at that point so what happened for you that's that you hit that pause button and said wait a minute i i think this is the really hard thing for um, anybody in the not-for-profit sector is that you, you you're sort of serving two masters, right? You've got the we've got the cause. We have the uh, the recipient of of who it is that we're working for, and then but we're also we've got to fundraise, we've got to spread the word, we've got to um, you know sort of feed the volunteers so they can give us what we need in order to give back to the the people that we're trying to help. But in doing so, we can we can lose sight of what we're doing this for. And and I I believe as you're saying is that this idea that the volunteers and the business side of it became all consuming to the point where you lose a little bit of the emphasis or the, the why, what is it we're really, who are we really doing this for? What am I really doing this for? What point for you did you rediscover your purpose? Mm. And I know um, <laughs> this, is, this is the part of the journey that gets tough. Talk about, to your level of comfort, going through that pain point, that, that valley, that dark valley that you had to go through. These are those things I, I've experienced, others have experienced, that if we see them coming, we avoid them. Right, Mm -hmm. I want to avoid that at all costs and I will do anything to go around that. You had to go through something, talk about what you went through and by coming out the other end, what that did for you and for your organization.
1: Yeah. So going through and persevering through some of the years that was, um, where I knew I wanted to continue my very own blanket and it it was going it was moving along well and but then there was a time in my life where something happened that was very difficult and i lost something that meant a great deal to me and that i loved very very much and it was at that moment that i was forced to go through The situation, not by my choice, but I had to dig deep and rely on God, that he was going to pull me through, my faith in God, trust, trust in that, trust in me, trust in all the friends and the family that surrounded me to help get me through this time. And it was it it was it was pretty painful and but yet it was a time when i knew that if i was aware of what was going on and tried to find and know that there was beauty that was going to come out of those ashes that i would be better i had a friend that that told me one time when you're going through hell, keep going. And that's what I did. And and I just I, I I'm blessed and I'm thankful that I was surrounded by so many people who prayed with me and walked me through that. But I remember reading one time where it was a quote that said um, that talked about we we ask we ask God so many times why 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 does this happen to me why did I get cancer why did I get um, in an accident why why but if instead of asking why did this happen to me to say what what God what do you want me to learn from this so I started saying what what am I supposed to learn what am I supposed to know and it was amazing how. Through just asking that question, I realized that what I was supposed to learn was what a child in foster care goes through. And it was so real and it was so raw that I realized that I knew exactly what it felt like to have your life ripped out from underneath you by no choice of yours. And that's exactly what a child in foster care goes through. They they are removed from their home so quickly. They are removed from their family and their parents and their siblings. And that was their love. And it may not have been safe for them, and it may not have been a good love, but it was all they knew. And in an instant, their life changes. And it's just ripped out from underneath them. And they don't know what's going to happen. They now enter this daily life of uncertainty. And the most important thing is that what they knew as their safe is, is gone. And they don't know when it's going to come back again. They have to move into a new home where they don't know the faces. A lot of times what the best case scenario is that these kids can get into what's called kinship care and they can be with grandma and grandpa or an aunt and uncle or someplace familiar. But sometimes that doesn't happen and they have to go into a home where they don't know the faces and they don't know who all they're going to live with. And they don't know the bed that they're going to sleep in and they don't know how long they're going to be there and they could be there for months or a year and all of a sudden someone comes to the door and they say pack your things we're going to move you need to move again and they say but i don't want to move i just made friends in the school i don't want to leave the school but they have to and that that was the sad and very painful reality that i experienced knowing that my safe was gone and i never knew when it was going to come back again but yet as an adult, I knew it was going to come back. But these are kids. They they don't know when it's going to come back. So in talking in the beginning about why a blanket is so important, that's why it's so important is because they can. it's something that they can see and feel and hang on to and know that this is mine. When they don't know what their next day is going to look like, or their next home or their next people they they have to travel through the system with strangers. this blanket they know. and so my experience the my darkness that 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 my love that I lost, I was able to regain so much more from it, so much beauty from it, because I was able to see and experience in a very real and raw way what these kids have to go through. And that was really kind of the turning point for me in my organization is that I realized I'm not paying attention enough To these kids and the stories, I'm we we are we're doing this great thing for them, and we're providing them love and we're providing them hope through this blanket. But I wanted to now see and hear and feel the stories of the kids that we were affecting. So it's been seventeen years later that I started this idea. I thought, you know, sitting in that rocking chair, oh, this will be a great idea to give a blanket. But now I'm seeing let's hear the stories of how these blankets have made a difference for these kids and let's hear their story and hear what they, how, how they've been able to come through their challenges and their, their dark times and, and be able to relate the two together.
0: Wow. Um, a a lot of people don't get up off the mat when they get hit that hard and fall. And as you say, you know, it's, it's, this is disruption that you did not ask for. Um, But you're refocused and, um, and you've, you're a survivor because you need to give that hope, that little bit of joy in times of uncertainty for kids um, going through the foster care system so you've, you've been at this sort of bigger, larger size. Are you now this idea of refocusing on the stories of the kids? Does that mean that talk about this rediscovery, if you will, of, 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 okay, thank you. I now know I'm reminded again, what Mm -hmm. my purpose is for doing this. What are you letting go of? Because there's one, you, there's only one of you. And yes, you've got volunteers, but there comes management issues. And mm-hmm. it sounds as though you've been big. Are you intentionally getting small again? Talk about what what's next.
1: Well, and you know, part of it that had to do with to finding, like you said, finding the joy in it was realizing that through all of those dark times or through all of the challenges that I had to remind myself I know that there's joy in what I'm doing and I have to find that. And I have to find the joy in in being able to make this a venture that's not a challenge or not difficult or, you know, it's gonna things are I think things are always gonna be difficult and challenging, but it's focusing on that joy. So when I started to do that, um, my very own blanket grew into a bigger, larger building. Um, and like you said, came with that came lots of things that, that, you know, I had to take care of and be a part of and, and I was pulled in every direction. It seemed like, and people would come to me and ask me, ask me questions and, and, and I'm, I've, I've said to I've said to a lot of people I'm not a micromanager so if I give you um, if you come to me with an idea or I give you a job or you want to use your talent to help us that is great I will support you in every way that I can I have lots of resources and we'll hook you up together but I'm not gonna micromanage you and but yet I had lots of people coming to me and asking me questions which seemed to be you know a Small distraction here, a small distraction there, and till it got to be where, you know, I honestly went into my office and sat at my desk and I said, Okay, God, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing today. But yet, I knew I was supposed to be doing this. And again, it was getting to be very challenging, and it was getting to be hard and I thought i'm gonna persevere through this, and i'm gonna i'm you know this is what I'm supposed to be doing and and it's everything's gonna be okay and and I should be doing this, and I should be doing you know going to the seminars and networking and being a part of these you know all these foundations and and being a grant writer and doing all this stuff and and then I just i you know i i I finally said admitted to my sister i am not happy and that was the hardest thing to do because it's like here i am doing god's work this beautiful gift that he gave to me and i'm not happy really you know so it was just i thought i'm i'm always you're always supposed to be happy you're doing god's work you're always supposed to be happy but you know i heard a quote years ago that we we get so busy we get so busy with so many things and there's so many things in this world that we can do and and when it comes to a point where we think you know oh i'm so busy and 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 i'm doing god's work and i'm until it's almost like god says mm, excuse me i didn't ask you to do that I didn't ask you to do that and that and that and that. But I'm doing your work in the in the church and I'm I'm teaching the kids and I'm in Sunday school and I'm serving the poor and I'm doing all this stuff and he's like, mm, "Don't blame that on me." And we say, "But I'm so stressed." And he's like, "Don't blame that on me. I didn't ask you to do all that stuff if you were to just listen to what I want you to do." So it it for me to come to a point knowing that I I'm trying to be obedient and I'm trying to do the the right thing and and do all this good stuff and and but to come to a point and just sit down and say I am not happy. It's almost as if I heard God say to me, "Now I can do something with you. Now that you've stepped out of your own way, <laughs> I can help refocus you. I can help and show you The vision. So once, once I came to that point where, you know, I just realized I didn't have to be everything to everybody. Because that's what I was doing. I was I was trying to please everybody. And I was trying to do everything. And I was trying to do the right thing and be everything. And once I admitted, it's like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. That's when clarity came into focus. And that's when I've started to let go of the things that are not core to my mission. And that's when I had a wonderful friend come into the picture. And she happens to be a consultant um, that works with nonprofits on strategic planning, Wow, how did that come together? <laughs> you know, she just poof, there she is, you know, and she came right at the right time. And that's the thing is that, you know, God has always provided for me right at the right time. And that's what I needed to trust in. And so now I'm going through the process of figuring out what is core to our mission. And it's giving blankets to kids in foster care. And it's it's seeing and realizing that all the volunteers making the blankets, they're going to be okay. They can still make the blankets. I don't have to provide everything to them to do that. That they can, They're going to be okay, and they can do it on their own. So um, it's just really refocusing and, and seeing that now it's time to gather the kids' stories. Because we've been around for 17 years, and we were able to do that. Because now the kids that have gotten our blankets are 21, 22, 23 years old. And I can meet those, those kids.
0: This is, I think, hard for a lot of people to hear. This is, this is about letting go. You've started something that has your name on it, that has the title the founder, Mm. you've grown it big. Your strong faith informs where you're going, but to the unsuspecting donor or volunteer that doesn't know your story, it's like, you're going in the wrong direction. You guys used to be so big and have a stronger reach. What happened? What happened? Um, I've heard the, the idea of reach is very different than the idea of touch, right? You can be in a lot of places. Um, y- you can impact a lot of people, but it sounds to me as that what you're really trying to do is touch people's lives and, and, and make this more personal. Is that, is that right? Is that, is that where this is going next? Will my very own blanket, you know, in the next chapter that you write, will it get big again? What do you think?
1: I hope it will. Um, We have been able to partner with a nonprofit organization, another small nonprofit in California called My Stuff Bags. And we were both featured in an article together that was in Huffington Post. Um, And the gal who wrote the article was actually adopted out of the foster care system. So she wrote this great article and this other nonprofit, My Stuff Bags, came and contacted me and asked me if we would be interested in putting a blanket in their bag. And I said, well, you know, we're. why don't you tell me a little bit about your mission? Because we are just dedicated to kids in the foster care system. Those kids that have to navigate through a system predominantly with strangers, where they're surrounded with people that they don't know. So we focus to the kids in foster care. And she said to me, that's what our mission is. We focus on kids in foster care, kids that are abused, neglected, removed from their homes. And I said, I would love to partner with you. And I said, um, she's in California, but I, I said, I, I don't, I'm not sure I'm going to have to pray about this because I, we don't really have the funding to be able to send these blankets to California. And she said, oh, don't worry about it. I'll share my FedEx number with you so that we can work together and partner together and i thought wow that was already woven together because one of the the biggest logistical challenges we had was actually getting the blankets out to the kids in care getting them from our little blanket workshop in Westerville out to the kids across the state and so once we once i partnered with her and with that nonprofit we have now been able to uh, send the blankets nationwide to where we 're in twenty different twenty seven different states and uh, yeah so it's it's been a great partnership and and it's been fun to um, to come together instead of creating something new, coming together with someone else and making it bigger
2: so so give us an idea you know yeah, the more you keep talking about this, it started out working with the local county adoption agencies and, and children's s- services. Children services, right? Mm-hmm. So now you're in 27 states, is that yes. what you just said? It seems like a logistical nightmare, and it sounds like that was, that's was that been part of the stress uh, right. and, and the difficulty about how many blankets are you sending out every year?
1: That's a good question. That, that's one thing we haven't talked about yet. So we, by the end of this year, we can say we've given over 100,000 blankets away to kids in the foster care system we consistently make about close to 8000 every year i have women from other states other areas email me and say we heard about my very own blanket we want to bring my very own blanket to our area we want to make blankets how can we do that and i say to them they say you know can we make the blankets and send them to you And I said, no, please don't. And I say that in the most loving way possible. (laughs) But I said, no, I want you to keep your blankets in your area to take care of your kids. So the beautiful thing about the blankets, as well as just being handmade, is each one has a tag, a special tag put on the blanket, sewn on the blanket that says, my very own blanket. And then it says, a special gift of love made just for you. And there's a line to write the child's name on there. And the caseworker allows the child to write their name in permanent marker, which is really cool because that's their first form almost of permanency back into their life because you're not supposed to write on fabric with permanent marker. So when they write their name on there, it, It not only empowers them that this is my name, but this is mine. I get to keep it. And more importantly, it shows all the adults that work with this child that this blanket belongs to this child, and it's going to leave with this child when they have to move to another place. So these kids lose a lot when they move from one placement to another because a lot of times there's a number of kids in the home, and if they came with a toy or a truck or a doll, other kids play with it. And it's hard for the foster parent to kind of keep track of everything and round everything up. And But you know what? These kids have so little that what they do have is so important to them. And I think the because the adults get so wrapped up in just taking care of them and protecting them and moving them, that they, they miss that very important piece but with our blankets I've seen in all these years that it it's really the one thing that they don't lose because it has their name on it and so we we are able to you know give so many blankets away and these kids can move through this system with these mm-hmm. with these blankets yeah
2: and my you used one of my favorite four letter words and and that is made. Mm. When I I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of one of these kids, and when I see something that I get to sign my name to, uh-huh. that says this was made for you, this wasn't bought at Target for you, this wasn't made, you know, in a factory and a sweatshop in Southeast Asia. This was carefully stitch by stitch, handmade by somebody who loves you. And that to me just speaks volumes. And when you get to write your name on it Mm -hmm. and say, okay, so not only is this my own, I get to put my name on it, it's mine, but somebody took the time to make this for me. And so you're giving somebody a piece of a very valuable thing. I mean, we have blankets in our house that we use, those throw blankets, right? But it's the quilts that were made by people that came before us that were handmade that we treat very, very well because it was made it was crafted
1: well and the interesting thing that you when you say that is that i've watched kids teenagers pick out their blankets at conferences that we've went to and we have maybe 50 or 60 blankets on a table and they're looking through these i've watched teenagers in foster care look through the blankets and pick one up and then pick another one up. And they're just so excited when they see it. And as they pick it up, and the, the neat thing is that I, I watch them that they get, they get to choose their blanket. So it's almost like we give them the gift of choice back because they get to choose which one they want. But the thing that I heard them say a lot, I hear is they say, I feel like this is made just for me. And I sit there and I think about it. Here's a whole table of handmade blankets. How, How does that, how do you feel that? But they do. They feel like each one was made just for them because it was handmade. And in my opinion, that's a divine interaction that goes on that we as humans can create and be the catalyst to make that handmade blanket but then it's that feeling of just that specialness that it was handmade for them and they get that and they understand it and and they just they love it so that's why we continue to keep doing what we're doing and and it's and I keep moving through the process of it and rediscovering and learning. And, and it's, it's not easy. And I believe that, you know, good things are challenging. And, and I realized that had I not had all the challenges and all the, you know, that dark time that I had to go through, there was so much I would not know. I think life is so much about the experience. I think the important thing is trying to be aware of the experience that you're going through and and what, not why is it happening to you, but what it means to you. What is it supposed to, what am I supposed to learn from this? How am I supposed to grow? So for the past four years, I've learned a lot of what I'm supposed to know now. And it's my, I feel much wiser and with a little bit more knowledge that I'm at that next level of my organization's maturity of where I'm supposed to be and what we're supposed to be doing and um, how we can affect more people in a really real way.
0: That takes real vulnerability and the image that I, listening to you speak, I get this image of tight-fisted and it's like when you hold on mm-hmm. to something so tight, you can't put anything in the hand, right? But when you are willing to let it go and things will fall out of your hand, other things, you're open to new things coming in, partnerships, um, renewed joy, purpose, um, all of which you've found. Jessica, thank you so much for Sharing your story, um, sharing your joy, and it not just with, with us here today, but with kids in the foster care system, people in prison, senior citizens, and all the volunteers that you've invited into your joy that started in a rocking chair. It's pretty amazing, and uh, keep doing great work. Thank you. I've known Jessica for a while now, and every time I hear her story, I'm moved by the work she is doing. Thank you, Jessica, for spreading your joy in ways that are relatively simple, but also incredibly profound. If you want to learn more about my very own blanket and how Jessica and her volunteers around the country bring comfort to kids in the foster care system, go to mvob.org. To hear more podcasts or read our posts that are meant to nudge the dreamer in all of us to become the doer we were all meant to be, visit us at joyventure.net. And if you're discovering or developing your joy, drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, remember, never stop discovering. Thanks for listening.